This podcast is part of Circus Voices, brought to you by Circus Talk, the world's only online platform exclusively for the circus sector. At the moment, Circus Talk is collecting responses and resources to the COVID-19 pandemic in the circus world. You can visit our resource page to keep up with the news there and post your own circus-related pandemic information using the hashtag COVID-19 Circus Response. Monkey see, monkey discuss. Exploring circus trends and tropes one topic at a time. You're listening to Rosie and Ruby, and in this episode, we'll be focusing on COVID-19. With much of the circus world forced to stop and rethink, we explore the many ways that the art form is reinventing itself in the light of the COVID-19 pandemic. So the circus industry is mainly based around live shows and big events. So in terms of the lockdown, those were actually some of the first things to go and will likely be the last things to come back. And this does, <laughs> yeah, and it does really affect everyone that has anything to do with circus. So everyone from touring circuses and circus in theatres, cabaret performers, circus schools, street performers, even just hobbyists, teachers, practitioners, like all the behind the scenes stuff. It really is a massive hit for everyone involved. Nobody escapes. Yeah, exactly. unless maybe you work in circus insurance, like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Except no, because then everyone's trying to claim it. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> they are also getting extra work. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, it's bad for everyone. It is, and I mean, let's talk for a second about. I mean, I feel like I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. Um, but like there are a lot of down points of this whole pandemic and so many different things are affected by it yeah and I'm just gonna like whiz through a few of the things that people are affected by because I give think us the might... highlights well exactly I'll give you the highlights of, of things that are going on right now um, in the circus world I mean let's just start with the biggest one of all um, it makes the world go around it's money um, yeah. we're all missing out on gigs, we're all missing out on opportunities, we're all missing out on performances because, as Ruby said earlier, they were the first things to go, they'll be the last of the things to come back. They're not essential, apparently, uh, for life. So, uh, yeah, the no gigs means no money for a lot of performers, no money for a lot of producers, directors, choreographers, everyone involved in the performance circus. That's it, is gone. I mean, if you're lucky enough to be yeah. funded by something, that's... That's even then. <laughs> but even even then, exactly, it's not. You're not in an ideal situation right now. You're, you're looking mm. at a long term plan of not very much going on for you, and that includes even people that do, like you say, street performers. There's less people walking out on the streets, less people with you know a little bit of extra money just to sort of spend on something like that. It's all going to have this trickle down effect where it won't be going to the people that are even busking on the street. Um, yeah. But I think it's also important to point out something that people might not have realised is that even if you're missing out on performances, um, people are also missing out on training spaces. All the spaces where people usually mm. go to train, to practice, to rehearse, they're all closed. Uh, unless maybe, I suppose, if you're lucky enough to own uh, a sizable training space, then, you know, you've looked in. But strikes me that if you own your own training space you've already looked in so like, yeah <laughs> that's all right yeah i don't know about anyone else but in the uk it's so weather dependent on like 
whether you can practice your circus craft or not. Like, if it's a nice day, sure, you can head outside either to a park or a garden. If it's even, like, remotely windy, which is maybe 80% of the time in the UK, <laughs> due to us being, like, a tiny speck of an island against an ocean, it just ends up yeah. being a rubbish place to train outside most of the time. So, you know. Let alone if you're an aerialist or have any kind of specialist equipment. Oh, yeah, don't get me started on that. I mean, how are the German wheel people supposed to cope inside? It's just not <laughs> It's just not really doable, is yeah. it? Um, so, yeah, people don't have their training spaces and they don't have their specialist equipment. I mean, a proper shout out to all the aerialists out there who are climbing in trees and hanging off their pull-up bars um, <laughs> because, you know, they're doing the best they can with what they've got and it's not ideal. Um, it's probably not ideal to put yourself at that risk either you said that it's kind of risky using a pull-up bar um, yeah this same maybe don't invert on it but it's hard to resist the temptation to be upside down when that's your default state a lot of the time mm, yeah I can see a lot of people taking risks to do the things that they want to do one because they really want to do it and they're used to practicing and training and two because you're so bored that you're sort of eager nothing to else to do exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah and i mean i just want to throw something out here imagine if your equipment was actually like i don't know your act was 12 tigers like where are you storing <laughs> your equipment right now how are you Can't keeping really your equipment storage. fed <laughs> yeah exactly no. like, that is that's something else and i think a lot of people um perhaps not so much in the uk but definitely across the world in circus right now are dealing with the concept of animals who have been perhaps in winter lodgings for the last few months hoping to finally get what is maybe considered a little bit of leg room for them and it's being denied <laughs> and you know when you're not earning money but you still have i don't know a bunch of lions that need to eat i'm i'm not sure where your priorities start to fall and i'm not sure i'd be very interested Yeesh. to see what happens with the outcome of a lot of circus animals and where they end up and you know i think ruby you were saying earlier that this might be one of the nails in the coffin for animals in circus yeah Which we maybe were that's it after this we it's were a dying secretly art anyway. a bit pleased not about. that i'm yeah i'm not particularly upset about that but <laughs> no but yeah but we are nice we are so upset um, for the animals though like it's not nice to think of animals um i mean no. it's not nice to think of them stuck in zoos and cages anyway but even more so now that they have mm absolutely no purpose and that we worry that they may be <laughs> no purpose you know and didn't you say that places. didn't you say that um you heard about someone that was going to do a tiger show in their living room or that's something that's right yes there is a chap <laughs> who is going to do his tiger act in his living room and this is actually going to this has been reported on circus talk so if you're listening to us through the circus talk website you can quite easily find this information you can watch his act he has it scheduled uh, the time that we're talking for in the next week. So I'm sure that by the time this is published, this Tiger Act will either have been a success or it will have made <laughs> the evening news because, like... Oh, God. <laughs> a man doing his tiger his circus Tiger Act in his living room. He must have a massive living room. Yeah, you'd think. I hope so, anyway. Unless... It's not like I how mean, many really tigers can you tigers, fit in a living room? Yeah, like, Contortionist tigers. <laughs> Yeah, and um, I mean, one of the things yeah. about tigers is they hate other tigers quite a lot, don't they? Like, that's kind of one of their 
they're not like a, <laughs> <Do> they? <laughs> yeah i mean tigers are kind of solitary we're getting a little bit off topic here in talking about a tigers, little bit yeah but i think that's all right um <laughs> so yeah just people are basically don't forget the tigers everyone yeah, basically affected. don't forget the tigers everyone because <laughs> don't forget the elephants either i'm not sure how they're coping in this time but they're mm. probably feeling quite sad and i've heard from zoo people um saying that the animals seem to be behaving differently because there's no human visitors. And I'm sure that goes Ooh. for circus animals as well. So I think that's quite interesting that the animals are feeling the effect because they are so used to seeing humans constantly that when that's removed, they are uh, shook up by it and confused, as equally confused as we would be. So maybe this is why they rise up. Oh, my God, it's Planet over. of the Apes, but with circus tigers. <laughs> it all begins in that man's living room. <laughs> I'm fine with it. <laughs> okay. Good. <laughs> Everyone's been watching Tiger King. It was only yeah. a matter of time. <laughs> Carol Baskin. <laughs> so let's talk about other things that um, that suck. People uh, in circus are stuck places that they don't want to be or they're not so much stuck indoors, like you might be figuring, but a lot of people were on tour or about to begin a tour. Like in Europe and especially the UK, touring season is usually like March, Easter time onwards. So a lot of places were sort of just getting ready to go on these sort of big long tours and pitching their tents and stuff when suddenly they were stuck wherever they'd pitched their tent. And there is an interesting news article regarding Big Kids Circus. Uh, their performers are stuck in Morecambe. Um, and the thing <laughs> is that they have a lot of international performers on these tours as well. So, like, there's actually, I think, uh, a dozen or so Cuban performers stuck in Morecambe, of all places. <laughs> Imagine coming from Cuba to the uk and when they say they're going on a uk tour you must think like ah london glasgow newcastle no no way i'm stuck for two months in Morecambe. no offense Morecambe, but i don't even think it's not quite cuba is it <laughs> it's not quite cuba no so it must be really hard because you slip you slip through these cracks you're not a national so you're not entitled to any kind of like government funding you're not getting the money from the company that was supposed to be employing you to do your circus tour you're just kind of stuck and you have no idea what the future is going to hold so that must be really really tough for those kind of circus performers they aren't the only ones of course big kid circus isn't the only one zippos as well uh is just pitched mm. and waiting uh, they can't perform quite a lot of those touring big top circuses are just sitting, waiting for the for the okay they can go again. But who knows when that will be? Um, yeah, and there's people stuck on a cruise ship that was performing. Yes, I think that was a Cirque du Soleil show. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, you're stuck out at sea. Tough. How are they going to get food and stuff eventually? I don't know the ins and outs. I think outs. that yeah. I think they were they're docked, but then it was like they couldn't leave the ship uh, ah. or their contract end. I, I don't know, but yeah, it sounded stressful. Mm. And also, I mean, everything in circus is affected. It's not just the performers. Teaching is also affected. Your circus universities, uh, they're all shutting their doors. No one's training, no one's getting taught. But teaching of all kinds is affected. All those youth classes, those um, hobby classes, just anything to do with circus is all stopped because it is ultimately you know uh, you have to share a space with people it's it could be a learning process it's a performing process and all the side hustles the circus basically are over right now yeah 
And also all of this is going to have a big effect on people's mental health. Mm, that's um, true. Yeah, of course, if you already have pre-existing mental health conditions, this can be a really difficult time. And obviously, a global pandemic is going to affect stress levels. Not a surprise there. Um, but I want to talk a bit more specifically about some of the things related to circus that could be giving your brain a hard time at the moment. Mm, um, go for it. So my friend Jess Abazid, who's a circus artist but also studied psychology, introduced me to a concept that they use in sports psychology, uh, which I found really interesting. Um, it's called athletic identity. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's defined as the extent to which a person identifies with the athlete role and looks for others acknowledging that role. So we can take that from sports psychology and apply it to circus. So for a lot of people in circus, um, it's a really important part of their life, an important part of their identity. You know, it can be your social circle. It can be your career, your artistic expression. You know, it's, it mm. can be everything. It's, it, um, it is a lot of people's entire lives. They, they live and breathe the circus lifestyle or the role of a circus performer. Yeah, exactly. So naturally then when your ability to perform it or teach it or practice it is taken away, then that is going to have a big effect on your identity and your mental health. Um, so athletic identity, it's not necessarily that it's a good thing or a bad thing, um, but there is a lot of research into how it affects people's reaction to injury. Um, so sort of, you know, you're more likely to push through an injury because you know, your identity is so important and you're really worried about, about losing that. Mm. Um, and in a sense, kind of at the moment with COVID-19, it's a bit like we're all injured on a mass scale mm. um, in the sense that we are all separated from that part of ourselves. Yeah, um, oh, I love that. I love that. We're all mass injured in the same injured. way <laughs> i mean We're obviously not not quite but you know people's yeah sense of community and everything is like social mm. circus things like juggling conventions for people who it's more of a hobby and or you know any of that stuff being taken away is a big chunk of people's lives um yes. that's just changed and um, yeah it's hard <laughs> And also, I don't know about anyone else, but uh, at the start of this sort of lockdown in our country anyway, there was a bit of a, uh, I think we're calling it productivity pressure. Yeah, productivity yeah. pressure. It's a big one. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, this sort of sense that you should be using this time to do everything that you've ever not had the time to do or to get train really hard or to get really good at your skill, you know, to nail the handstand. Um, mm. And I think... Yeah, especially also with social media. Social media pressure is always difficult for mental health. But given that that's now the only way that any of us communicate, it, there's a lot more of it. And people are posting all their workouts and all of that kind of thing. It's really easy for people to give themselves a really hard time for not doing enough or, you know, for people to do too much training mm. and be overdoing it. Um, but yeah, ultimately looking after yourself is definitely the most important thing at the moment and that does mean mentally as well as physically you can't look after other people until you're looking after yourself exactly wise words that yeah. i just came up with <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was very well written uh, ruby i like that so all of that um is kind of how we are affected and who knows what the long term uh, effects are going to be of this pandemic but 
I think it's quite safe to say that we are, we're not out of it yet and we probably won't be for quite some time. But that doesn't mean that the whole world totally sucks. And in fact, this has been a really <laughs> great <laughs> uh, time to see what is good that people are doing. Like it's really sort of lifting and really important to recognize that there are things out there happening that are really nice and generous and people are still like being crazy creative and stuff. So there's when it comes to circus, I think there's a lot of online shows so like bigger circus companies or maybe even just people releasing like their act or something online. So you can sometimes pay a little bit of money to see them or maybe they have like a suggested donation or even some of them are just putting it out there for free with the aim of like providing entertainment during these times and trying to keep people interested in the arts. Um, things like the Gandinis and uh, EAO and Ruby, you saw that juggling show Flack, which you loved. Yes. I love that one as yeah, well. Yeah, I really um, like that I haven't show. watched it online yet. But yeah, there's some really, really good circus shows out there. And a site called Netflix, which I think me and Ruby are both using, that is putting up new circus shows every week. You get all kinds of really different shows on there. There were things like Elephant in the Room, which is one of the greatest circus theatre pieces I've ever seen, uh, was up to watch for free. I really recommend going to Netflix and checking out just what they have on offer because you'll always find something worth, you know, an hour of your time. Yeah, and it's it's good to be able to support um, companies and stuff at the moment because it's, yeah, often the only way that... Obviously, there's bigger things like the Gandinis, which is up for free, but some things like online cabarets and things that people are doing, that's often people's, um, yeah, are on limited income. So it's co it's cool to be able to support that and still get to fulfill that need of watching a show in your living room. Yeah, I think it's really interesting to see how people are adapting. Um, I mm. spoke to Lex Rooney, who's the course leader and head of movement at Circa Media um, in Bristol. And she was talking about, um, yeah, how they're going about sort of becoming a virtual university. Um, so that involves lots of lots of Zoom calls, lots of video conferencing, like one-on-ones, mm. um, yeah, and having to sort of adapt the course, changing things. So like them, they make an ensemble piece in the second year. Obviously, they can't get a group of people together. So they're having to sort of make a um, digital performance ensemble. Um, okay. So I mean, it will, I think it will be really interesting to see what circus students come out of this with. You know, I think mm, they're obviously doing their best to adapt it in all sorts of clever ways. But it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, like you said with video, like how people use that medium and how that could actually create quite new, innovative ideas. Mm, um, absolutely. And the other thing with circus schools is they're obviously having to think about the next year ahead. So um, they have to have auditions. Usually they would have auditions at the circus school, but they're having to yeah, ask people to send them a performance in lockdown piece. Um, mm. <laughs> Yeah, which is strange, especially if you're an aerialist. I can imagine um, that is quite a daunting <laughs> thing if you haven't, yeah, got anything. But um, it does just yeah, seem to make everything a lot more complicated uh, logistics-wise. I think, but yeah, definitely. And like they have a street theatre module, um, so for that, instead of the usual street, like they'd usually make a circle show and perform it, mm -hmm. um, they're making a sort of performance provocation um, that's inspired by the balcony performers in Italy and Spain mm. um that's yes nice. I mean it might be this is probably going to be a time when street theatre has a big rise it feels like outdoors 
outdoor arts in particular are going to mm. come out. Site-specific things becoming the norm, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 a good time for people to sort of explore different creative avenues, different ways to, yeah, make things, you know, like a podcast, Ooh, for example. <laughs> that would a be a idea. very amazing creative outlet, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, well, and like you said, you can sort of use the limits as a creative challenge to be site specific so you can look at how you can do circus in your environment like how can you mm. use your limitations to actually yeah find something new absolutely how can you do circus in the kitchen yeah that sort of thing yeah and well cool. i mean i'm gonna veer wildly off topic a little bit here just because there's <laughs> something that um is about circus and about covid19 that seems to dominate our headlines and that is Cirque du Soleil um yeah I think it is worth mentioning what is going on with Cirque du Soleil because not only do they employ a lot of people but they also like it or not are quite a big representation of circus like for the for the average person when you say you know I work in circus they either picture sort of trad big top style thing or they're picturing Cirque du Soleil because it is just the biggest name out there there is nothing that competes on the same global scale um so I will I will mention them (laughs) now (laughs) everyone probably knows what they did they announced via video which I'm not sure whether that's good or bad I'm not really sure I don't know is like firing someone over text like a bit too like rude (laughs) or is that so over video um, Cirque du Soleil, in light of this pandemic, they fired 95% of their staff. That's over 4,500 people. And it, that was effective immediately. That's just yeah. like, like wow. it's over. Um, I'm not really like, I'm not trying to like place blame and I'm not trying to say like, oh, don't fire people because if your current economic climate calls for that, being the only way that your company survives you know i guess you have no other way to turn it's just a shame that you see set de soleil doing it they're such a big sort of representation for circus and they seem to i don't know in the public's eye at least be like the good guys of circus like they are artistic and their tickets are expensive and you know they're the yeah, big high it's, flyers ultimately it's a multi-million pound company and it is actually you're right they, sh- they should be they should be leading with example they i mean <laughs> um, just some fun facts about because some people might not know the sheer like size of the- they've performed in over 300 cities on every continent except for antarctica the company employs 4900 <laughs> people on average that's in from 50 different countries they generate an annual revenue of approximately one billion dollars that's wow. it. So, one billion. That is a million million. That's one billion. <laughs> what the? F- it's now, a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Can someone, someone listening, just do the quick maths for me? Divide one billion between four thousand nine hundred employees. Just divide <laughs> it for me. I would like to just know what that was. Yeah, the size. The size is incredible. It's quite. It's hard to put it. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> It's hard to comprehend because I've just literally said they make a billion, like a million million. <laughs> you, you just yeah. start like your mind starts boggling at the 
the quantity of money and the fact that as soon as their shows were cancelled they just fired everybody it seems really strange because a company that's pulling in a billion yeah you sort of think huh maybe they do a month where they pay their performers <laughs> like you know yeah, it's or just something. you know maybe they would just a little I something think... who knows what they'll do in the future maybe they have something planned maybe they have some sort of support network mm. maybe i i don't know i just don't know yeah, it a... just seems strange that they've put like what you were saying earlier i think you're saying they put profit or sort of this idea of capitalism, which is like, yeah, shareholders and profit margins and things before the individual performer. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how people react to Cirque du Soleil once this is all over. Are circus people going to say, you know what, you aren't on our side as much as we thought you were? Are they going to welcome it back with open arms? How are we going to react to Cirque du Soleil after all this? Yeah, it it's really does exemplify that their performers are just a cog in a machine you know everyone is mm. replaceable at any point and mm-hmm. it, that's fine if that's what you want if that's who you want to work for but I do think people will be questioning yeah like now is a good time to mm-hmm. be thinking who about who you work for and how you work and to hold people to to account because yeah, I think at the moment that everyone has a lot of time and space to question circus. You know, there's been a lot of these online meetings and talks all about mm-hmm. like what circus, how circus is going to evolve and the future of circus. And I mm-hmm. think it's a really good time to question the sort of established industry roots and look at who and what is represented. Like yeah. it's the time to be questioning your practice and think about how you can make it sustainable, how you can make it inclusive and how you can make it accessible. Um now, obviously, it is a privilege to be able to choose who you can work for. But if you look at companies like, uh, say, Company Ish, they began because they agreed on like an ethos and a lifestyle that they wanted. So what they did is they got a tent and a caravan, a caravan, caravans. Um, and it, for them, it wasn't about what the show was going to be about. It was all about moving away from these industry gatekeepers mm. and being able to make it happen for themselves and have the sort of lifestyle that they wanted as a touring circus. Yeah. Um, Similarly, there's the company Acting for Climate. They have a show which is all about climate psychology and that they tour on a ship. So they go around different harbours <laughs> and perform for people for free. Um, so, yeah, it's easy to see how people can adapt. And it's interesting to see what people will, how people will use this time to sort of create something new and different. Yeah. Because at this time, circus is just like everything else that's been put on hold. Uh, people are turning to the higher ups and judging how they reacted so the people that are higher up in circus the big employers you will be judged in the same way that the big supermarkets or the big industries or the big airport owners will also be judged like did you take care of yeah or the government even that's a really good example ruby thank you (laughs) it would be like (laughs) did you place people first or did you play did you cover your own backs first and i think that yeah, circus will be judged just as equally as all the others. And and that's important to remember, like everyone should be held accountable for how they've dealt with this situation. Yeah. Um, but I mean, again, this is not to, we, we sort of feel like we've talked a lot about the bad side of this pandemic. <laughs> and there is a lot of bad. It's obviously a pandemic. It's not going to be <laughs> a basket of roses, but I think it's really important to recognise that circus is a very special art form. It, above all else, is highly adaptable. Like, it just, it always has been, 
It always will be. It's part of what makes circus what it is. Like, as soon as they invented electricity, circus was one of the first places where you could come and see light bulbs inside their tent. Like, as soon as cars were on the road, people were driving them off ramps and flipping them around and stuff inside circus tents. All these new inventions that pop up, circus brings it in, into its heart and says, we'll use this because we're not afraid of something new, of trying something different, and also nothing stops us. When we want to get across America, we'll use the railroads, and when we want to light our tents, we'll use the electricity. If we want to show a film, we'll show a film. We'll have the first projectors inside circus tents. Like, we are so good at adapting and surviving, and circus deserves to survive. Like, it's such a special art form and there's so many people that work hard and deserve to be recognised that now is the time for us to all just strive for that adaptability and to sort of yeah. push forward and get ready for what's coming next round the corner. Preach. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I got up on my little soapbox there a little bit, didn't I? <laughs> no, it was good. I liked it. After all the, the doom and gloom, it's, it's good to think motivational speech. It's good. <laughs> Um, so thank you for listening to us today we're Rosie and Ruby Uh, we also actually have another podcast it's called Not My Monkeys and you can look us up on all major podcast platforms if you're interested to hear any more Um, don't worry that one is actually not just us two talking we also interview interesting people from the world of circus and give you lots of fun facts and stuff like that Um, so this podcast it is lots of fun (laughs) and this podcast is part of circus voices um, which is brought to you by circus talk so i mentioned this earlier at the moment they're collecting responses and resources about the covid19 pandemic so you can get involved you can join in the conversation if you visit their resource page to keep up with the news and you can post your own related information get involved in the conversation by using the hashtag covid19 circus response thanks for listening (laughs) 